Good. So is everyone okay? Fantastic. We're continuing with our Beyond the Wall um, um, series. I'm going to look at and be introducing the theme in a, a little while. But, you know, before I do that, before I continue this morning, I have something to confess to you. I have something that I need to bring into the light. And, and in recent weeks, you know, we've had some big announcements, haven't we? And, and here's another one. You know, I don't feel I can continue as a pastor and keep this hidden from you any longer. I wish you could see your faces <laughs> right now. I don't think I've ever had anyone looking and listening so intently to me. There is something, you know, I want to share with you this morning, though, and please don't judge me as I do. There was a lot of that in the first service. How are you ready? Are you ready for what I've got to share? Here you go. I love listening to boy bands. There you go. I've said it. I've tried to hide it and deny it in the past. I've even sought therapy for it, but I can't get away from the fact that I love listening to boy bands. And I really blame my mother for this. You see, I was born in 1973. And at that time, you know, the Bay City Rollers, anyone heard of them? Come on. The Bay City... <laughs> the Bay City Rollers were huge. They were a Scottish um, boy band. And the tartan theme, the tartan theme was huge. And, and as a baby and as a toddler, there are pictures of me, not many because I've tried to destroy them all, but dressed in head to toe in tartan. 40 years later, 40 years later, I've got a Scottish wife. My mom has a lot to answer for. And then in the 80s, the boy bands continued. It was Bros, New Kids on the Block. Then in the 90s, and this, this guy's was a decade for boy bands. The Backstreet Boys, you know, NSYNC, Boys to Men, E17, Five, Boyzone, Westlife, take that. It continues. And this was also the decade where rap music, rap music was huge too. It was also the time when I traveled the world fighting, competing, you know, in Taekwondo tournaments. And nearly all of the fighters, you know, they'd be listening to the rap music to get motivated, to get psyched up, to get pumped up before they went to fight. And it would be on a Sony Discman back then, none of your iPods or, or anything like that. And they'd have the, the Sony Discman, the big earphones, and they'd be looking mean, you know, bouncing away to this rap music. And then there's me, same Sony Discman, big earphones, but listening to take that. A million love songs and later. I'd always end up winning the fight, so it made no difference. Why have I shared that with you this morning? I have absolutely no idea. But it's been therapeutic, so thanks for listening. No, I've shared it because the title of my talk is called Brother Beyond. Brother Beyond. And I'm going to look at how relationships we have and how we relate to each other um, in our everyday life are really important. And Brother Beyond, here we go. We're also a boy band in the 80s. You know, they had a couple, lots in fact, of unsuccessful singles. But their breakthrough single, the one that helped them go beyond that unsuccess uh, and helped them to fame was The Harder I Try. And just for your pleasure, this morning, take a look at the screens. 
They don't make songs like that anymore, do they? <laughs> what? That's quality. Okay, I'm joking. So ironically, that song, though, it's about relationships and trying hard and not giving up and wanting to be loved and living in the hope that it'll all work out. And, and that's the link. That's the link I wanted to make with my talk this morning. It worked in my head anyway. <laughs> that the relationships we have, and I'm not just talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, husband and wife. You know, you may not be in a relationship here this morning. I'm not talking about that. It does relate to that, but it's much bigger than that. I'm talking about the relationships that we have with different people on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis. You know, friends, neighbours, family, extended family, work colleagues, new acquaintances, strangers and even enemies. You see, for me, the greatest gift God has given us is the gift of relationship. You know, in the beginning of the creation story, the beginning the book of Genesis, the first book uh, of the Bible, we were created to be. We were created to live in a relationship with God. And you know that God first created Adam, but then he was lonely, so he gave him a companion, Eve. That's when it all went wrong. I'm joking, ladies. (laughs) God knew the importance of relationship, you see. Not only with him, but with each other, the relationship with other people. You see, God never intended us to do this journey alone, to live life in isolation. Not only do we need God, but we need each other. We need other people as we journey through life. So God calls us to be the the brother beyond, the sister beyond the wall. We're not only to help and lead each other, people, each other people to freedom. We're called to live beyond together in that freedom. We're called to live in unity together. And how many of you know that that's hard work? You see, where there's people, there's often problems. And if we're honest, we don't like dealing with problems, which then leads to not dealing with people. We can become immune to things, can't we? We become hardened or desensitized. You see, we may no longer pay attention to the homeless person on the street, to the numerous appeals we see on TV, to the amount of food banks opening in our area, to the, to the old person who doesn't get visitors anymore, to the lonely person that may be sitting next to you. And that may be because we see the problem first before the person. And as a result, we hide behind the wall instead of going beyond it. And then when it comes to relationships that have broken down, and we've all had them, where we've been left feeling hurt, frustrated, disappointed, and sometimes even burnt. You know, it's easier to give up on them, isn't it? Rather than give more to them, and, our, and allow ourselves to be hurt or used again. And when you first prayed that prayer to God and asked him to be, and asked him to use you, <laughs> that wasn't the use you had in mind, was it? You know, where you're frequently hurt, where you're walked all over time and time again. See, it can be incredibly difficult and painful, but at the same time, it can be also incredibly beautiful and powerful. Because it's in that moment we see the very heart and nature of God. And that's love. 
You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, he responded with love. God chose that in that moment, you know, to go beyond the wall, to go beyond the wall of hurt, of disappointment, of himself, of family, by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to go beyond the grave. See, he died in our place as a result of our sin in order that we could have back the greatest gift God ever gave us, which is our relationship restored with him and ultimately then others. You see, love conquers all. And God calls us all to be brothers and sisters united in living beyond the wall. You know, in fact, it's a commandment given by Jesus as he was with his disciples preparing um, preparing them for his departure. See, John 13 and 13 and 34 to 35 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right here, we notice that this isn't a suggestion. Uh, a recommendation, or even an option. It's a commandment. (laughs) We're to love each other just as Christ loves us. And that can be a big ask too, can't it? You know, and many of us may need to thank God that Jesus doesn't love us like we love others. The word just in that passage implies that Jesus showed the disciples exactly how to love. You see, he modeled it to them and to everyone else he came into contact with. Not long before Jesus had said this um, phrase to his disciples, he washed all of his disciples' feet, which was something reserved for servants to do. But we're told in the Bible, aren't we, that Jesus came to serve and not to be served. You see, love has no ego. Love has no agenda. Love doesn't mean you place yourself above people. It means you love people above yourself. Jesus loved willingly, unconditionally, sacrificially, and he calls us to do likewise. See, his love is genuine, honest, caring, and compassionate. Do we love like Jesus loves us? It may be hard, but it's not impossible. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have commanded us to do it. And the Bible tells us that we can love others because he, Jesus, first loved us. 1 John 4 and verse 19. The apostle John then goes on to stress the importance of loving each other too. And he doesn't mince his words. 1 John 4, 20 to 21 say this. And if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. (laughs) For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. See what John, the Apostle John, is really saying here is that if you say you love God, then prove it. Prove it by loving your brothers and your sisters. You see, the proof that love is real is the action that it produces. You see, it will always help the other person in the long run. Loving each other is also the greatest witness that we have to the world outside. 
It sets us apart, doesn't it? It screams out that there's another way to live. It screams out that there's a better way to live. And when we get that as a community of believers, I believe it will change our community. And our community needs it, doesn't it? You know, you may have all seen the scenes, uh, Black Friday on the telly. If that isn't screaming out that the world needs it, I don't know what is. But you know, let's not judge them. Let's nudge them. Let's nudge them and show them a better way. Let's get alongside them, nudge them, and call it out of them. You see, we have to lead them there. Let's not assume people know what we know. They have to be led We have to nudge them. We have to call it out of them. Because actually, and this is what struck me in my own life, we can all have the tendency to be just like them. May not be as dramatic, may not be in the same way, but I know it's true of me. You see, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiving someone that has hurt you, we can act like those scenes on Friday. You see, we grab hold of that, don't we? We battle not to let that unforgiveness go. This is mine. I deserve it. I have a right to feel like this. I'm keeping it. (laughs) But we all know we have to deal with our stuff so that we can love the stuff out of others. And the Freedom in Christ course is great at helping you get to grips with some of this stuff. And we're nearly at the end of one course now, but there's a new one in the new year, so look out for it. You know, I really recommend it. And then just this week, you know, I was in a supermarket um, with a lady from this church, and and both will remain nameless, because I don't want you to know where I shop. (laughs) But... um, When I got to the conveyor belt, you know, she already had her shopping on the conveyor. She didn't have many items, and and I may have had a few items left. But as I got there, she said, Simon, please go first. You know, I had Cara with me at that time, my daughter, she's three years old. And she said, please, Simon, you go first. I'm in no hurry. You get Cara home. I'm like, wow, that was amazing, A, a real selfless act. But actually, it was better than that, because she'd already let another guy go in front of me who only had three items, and he was really thankful of that gesture too. I heard it, and I saw it for myself. And in that moment, he saw something different too. And I'm sure that lady had a conversation, had a chat with a checkout person too. And we can all do that, can't we? It's not hard Uh, We can all go out of our way and make someone else's day. And Jesus said himself, you know, it will prove to the world that you are my disciples. People will see it, but we have to be it. It has to start with us. We have to love and get along with each other. And you know, the the greatest barrier to a church reaching uh, the community is not the sin that's in our lives It's not a sin that's in your life. It's not sexual immorality. It's not drunkenness. It's not that you're liars, cheats, or thieves, and I'm talking about you lot now. I'm joking. But we know, don't we, that these are exactly the people God used in the Bible. People like Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, David, Peter, Paul, the list could go on. See, God can and will work with all of that. 
but what really holds us back? What is the, what's the biggest barrier uh, is the lack of love we have for each other. And simply put, that's disunity. And this can make us look like hypocrites more than anything else. We have to stop fighting each other and start fighting for each other. So how do we love like Jesus? Well, it may sound obvious, but it starts by being loved by Jesus, by accepting and trusting in his unconditional and sacrificial love. You see, his love should be the only measure we use. See, you use our ability to, our ability to love is often shaped by our experience of love. And we get this wrong when we use other people for that measure because we can love others how we've been loved. And that sometimes may not be very much. But when you use Jesus as that measure, everything changes. Everything changes. We don't then look for others for love. We flip it around and we look for others to love. We look for others to love. Then we also don't have to look to others to meet our needs. We flip that around and we get to look for others to help them meet theirs. Because he first loved, the Bible tell us, tells us we're able to love others. You see, when we're secure in the love Christ has for us, we're set free. We're cured from the rubbish people throw at us, which means we get the opportunity to build people up rather than to knock them down. And there's two questions I want to ask you this morning that may help you um, with this and may help you move forward in this area. Question one is this. What do you need to ask in order to take an axe to? What do you need to ask in order to take an axe to? And I want to thank Mr. Bennett Sr. for the use of the axe. You know, there's, there's something quite hard. There's something quite manly and there's something quite scary uh, about an axe. I'm trying to make up here for the boy band stuff, so go with me. <laughs> I was going to bring a block of wood on stage as well and start chopping away, but I can use my hands for that, so there's, there's no need. <laughs> there you go. See, an axe, an axe is an implement that has been used for millennia to shape, split, and cut wood. It's also been used as a weapon, but we're not going to go there. An axe cuts through things. It can chop trees down uh, that have been growing for many years. And as, and as I was preparing my talk, you know, I really felt that God gave me you know, this picture and this phrase, phrase, what do you need to ask in order to take an axe to? What is it that's been growing in your life? You know, maybe for years that you may need to cut through to chop down? What are the barriers in your life that are stopping you from loving others? And there can be many, you know, selfishness, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, insecurity, hurt, anger, disappointment, and unforgiveness, to name just a few. And if these are not dealt with immediately, they can grow into something massive, you see, what may have started out to be small in our lives suddenly consumes our lives. It overwhelms us. It affects our ability to love others. We get cautious, don't we? We get cynical. We can even get judgmental when it comes to others. Something small can take over 
our lives. And I've got a, an illustration here, and it's not from this church. It happens in America. It just so happens that the guy's name is Leon, too. <laughs> no similarity there whatsoever. This guy, he's talking and he's preaching. And after his sermon on a Sunday, he comes down to greet some of the guys there. And he goes to the first guy. How you doing? Nice to see you. Goes to the second guy. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Goes to the third guy. Guys, using general touch. Nice to meet you. How you doing? Then he gets distracted. Someone shouts him. He misses the fourth guy. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Then he carries on his normal day. But that fourth person goes home. And she's like, what have I done to the pastor? What have I done to upset the pastor? Why didn't he shake my hand? You know, I must have known I haven't read my Bible this week. He must have known I haven't prayed as much. And that insecurity keeps building. But then what happens with that insecurity? It turns to something else very quickly. See, it turns to anger. Actually, you know, that pastor's got an attitude problem. He didn't speak to me actually four months ago. And throughout the week, this is building and it's building and it's building. And then on Sunday, the same person comes to church. And the pastor is talking about loving those that may have hurt you. And again, at the end of the service, he goes down. He shakes the first person's hand. Hi, nice to meet you. Shakes the second person's hand. Nice to meet you. Shakes the first person's hand. Nice to meet you. Same person sitting there, goes to shake it, stands up and punches him in the face (laughs) and leaves the church. If we don't deal, if we don't deal with the small stuff, guys, it becomes massive stuff. We need to get to grips with it. It's our responsibility. And this is straight out of the Bible. And I'll show you that in just a minute. But first, what happens, you know, instead of us dealing with our stuff, you know, the stuff that's growing in us, we tend to notice the stuff that's growing on, growing and going on uh, uh, with others. We try and correct, don't we, other people's behavior instead of looking at our own. We take the axe and we chop them down. We start cutting the things out of their life before looking at ourselves. (laughs) And when they don't like the help that we're giving them, because it is help, isn't it? When they don't listen, we cut them off completely. You know, we may not literally or physically take the axe to them, but in some ways, that really would be better. Because the worst pain in life is not a broken body, but it's a broken heart. And we do that when we cut people down. Put another way, it's a broken relationship. And the Bible puts it like this, and this is Jesus speaking, Matthew 7 and verse 3, and don't worry about the speck in your friends. You can put brother's or sister's eye there when you have a log in your own. See, he goes on to say, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you might see clearer to help the friend with theirs. See, it's clear from the Bible that we're to take the axe to our own log, to the stuff that's growing in our life, and to chop that down, to cut that out. You see, we're to judge ourselves and love others, not the other way around. And then my next question is this, what do you need to destroy before it destroys you? What do you need to destroy before it destroys you? You know, sometimes we think we've dealt with stuff 
don't we? But then it, it resurfaces and it can catch us out. You know, you may have taken an axe to something. You may have think you've chopped it down. But then when something's repeated, when you're hurt in a similar way, you can be right back where you've started. And as a tree grows above the surface, it also grows below it. It has roots. And it's the same with us. You know, if we don't deal completely with what's growing on the inside. See, we may be really good at hiding things on the surface. But when it comes to the roots growing beneath, we're not that great. You see, roots tangle and they weave together to form a stronger core. And they have to be completely destroyed in order for a tree to stop growing. And that's exactly the same with us. We need to get to the root of the problem and totally destroy it. And when we do, guys, the rewards are incredible. You see, not only do you set yourself free, you have the ability to set others free. Free. And it may be painful. You know, it may be painful to deal with at first, but nowhere near as painful as it's been to live with. See, let your struggle be somebody else's freedom. Then the selfishness, the resentment, the bitterness, the jealousy, the insecurity, the hurt, the anger, the disappointment, and the unforgiveness, when destroyed, completely destroyed, become love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit That is the indicator that our main relationship, that the relationship we have with God is right. And as a result, our other relationships will be right. You see, when we allow Jesus to love us and love through us, we are really able to love like Christ. And as I come to an end uh, in my talk now, I want to share a story that you're all probably familiar with. See, the story is in Mark 2, and it's about a paralyzed man getting healed. You can turn there if you want, or you can check it out later. But the Bible tells us that there are four men, and they're carrying a paralyzed man to Jesus. But because of the large crowd, they can't get to him. You know the story, and you may know what happens next. So they climb onto a roof directly where Jesus is underneath, and they start to break through. See, they didn't just go beyond the wall. They went beyond the roof. They dig a hole, I'm trying to be like Luke, they dig a hole and they lower the man in. And then everyone stops and they're amazed at what's happening. And then Jesus too, he says, because on seeing their faith, he heals the paralyzed man. And what I want to leave you with is this. What I want you to ponder is this. You see, we're often told or we assume that these four men were friends of the paralyzed man. But the Bible doesn't give us that information. It just says some men or four men carried the man. And here's the point, and I want you to go with me on this. What if, what if those four men just happened to be passing but understood the concept of loving your brother? What if they just saw the incredible need of this paralyzed man and acted out of love? What if they knew that loving him meant they'd have no choice but getting him closer to Jesus? And then what if they knew that loving him would ultimately set him free? There's a lot of what ifs there, 
But we know, sitting here this morning, possibly something that those guys didn't know. See, we know those what-ifs are true. You see, when we love like Jesus, when we love people closer to Jesus, everything changes. And as the the bands come back, I want to close with this. Who can we love this week? Who can you love this week closer to Jesus? Who can we encourage? Who can you encourage? Who can you build up? Who can you set free? And it's often the case, you know, in sometimes when you resolve a relationship, the person you actually set free is yourself. You know, unforgiveness, well, actually, forgiveness, I believe, is the key to a prison cell. And I know I've, I've been there and had to deal with some stuff in there. Forgiveness is the key to the prison cell. And when you decide to forgive, you actually use that key and you set yourself free. And maybe this week you start to resolve a broken relationship and then you're the one that's set free. You see, when we commit to live and love as brothers and sisters beyond the wall, when we truly get this as a community of believers, our community will truly be transformed. So let's be brothers and sisters beyond the wall. Why don't we pray? Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you for speaking to us this morning. Father, I want to thank you, firstly, that you love us, of the amazing relationship that we get to have with you. Thank you, Jesus, that we can love because you first loved us. Thank you that as our relationship is right with you, it will be right with others. Father, help us to love like you. Help us to chop down and destroy everything that holds us back from loving like you. I want to thank you that it's you. It's you who meets all our needs so that we can meet the needs of others. Thank you that you are enough for us. Help us this week to love people closer to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.